Welcome to Street Smart Success. This is Roger Becker, your host. It's hard to find the right properties to buy these days, but if you're willing to do the heavy lifting with distressed assets, you can still find Class C properties for forty-five dollars to $65,000 a door with a lot of rental upside. You just need to be prepared to roll your sleeves up to deal with challenging tenants and properties. Tate Seamer, CEO and managing partner of Greenlight Equity Group, has acquired over 500 C-Class units in Oklahoma City and Columbus and is planning to get to a thousand units by the end of the year. So today I am so excited to have our guest, this guest with me, and only because, not only, but but in large part because he is a fellow Buckeye, grew up where yours truly barely got a college degree and uh, went to Ohio University, which for those that don't know, and my guest will know, that in any given year back in the day, Rolling Stone magazine used to rate the top party schools in the country. And it used to go back and forth each year like a ping pong ball between Chico, Cal State Chico and Ohio University. And I always rooted for Ohio University to be number one. And uh, but that's not why I'm having him on. <laughs> he, he's the CEO and managing partner of Greenlight Equity Group, a man making major headway in, in multifamily real estate and some key markets. And he is Tate Seamer. Tate, welcome to Street Smart Success. Thank you, Roger. It's awesome to be here. I'm stoked. Yeah. And uh, thanks for bearing with that forever intro. Uh, I went on and on. I love hearing about my alma mater and how hard we partied. I was actually uh, an RA in the dorms. And for those of you that maybe never lived in a dorm, that basically meant that I often had to play cop. And unfortunately, Halloween weekend was a, a work weekend for me, usually keeping trying to keep the wheels on the place and keeping people out of trouble mostly. So, uh, but I love Ohio. I love Ohio University. Um, I love the Columbus market for investing. That's where we're currently building a portfolio in addition to Oklahoma City. So, and being from Cincinnati, it's, uh, I actually went to University of Cincinnati for a year and a half. So I, you know, I, I went to all the basketball games and, and football wasn't quite as big back then, but uh, it is now. So it's pretty exciting stuff. It, it sure is. And I could not have predicted. Well, you know, it's funny when you were talking about being an RA and you had to work, uh, you know, Halloween weekends, which were, you know, as you know, that's why you're saying it, the most famous Halloweens probably on the planet. And I, I, I went to one, I think it was after I was out of college, I went with a friend to, to OU over Halloween and it, and it did not disappoint. But as you were describing it, I'm thinking, what great experience for managing multifamily real estate. <laughs> it, was, it was my first property management experience. Absolutely. <laughs> that, yeah. that, that is funny. So, so you graduated from OU. And so like, uh, what did you do professionally uh, when, when you got out of college and, and where did you live? Yeah, I uh, had no direction out of college. I, I actually was taking life very seriously back then. I wasn't a, a party guy or a, um, I just, I was very interested in like what I was going to do next, but I couldn't really lock into a, a track. I, I graduated with, with a degree in psychology and a thought of going into, you know, clinical psychology or even psychiatry and going to med school and 
So I had grad school and med school on my on my radar, and then I also had the corporate world. For some reason in Cincinnati, they groom you to be a corporate guy. There's not a whole lot of entrepreneurial examples in Cincinnati, let's say. At least there weren't for me back then. And I really felt like I was kind of groomed to climb the corporate ladder. And that's what a lot of my buddies have done since uh, since high school. But I just really couldn't get passionate about any of them. And, and it, it, believe it or not, it actually caused a fair amount of like grief and suffering because I just was like, I, I, having having no direction in life is not fun, even in your early 20s. And I didn't embrace the freedom opportunity aspect of it until I was about 26. And when I turned 26, I had a really vivid realization that I was going to be 30 in four years. <laughs> For some reason, that felt like a really big deal at the time. And I didn't feel like I was doing anything great with my life. I was working in sales, uh, in, in retail furniture sales, actually. So kind of the not a great sales gig and, and not going anywhere with that necessarily. And so I decided that I wanted to just do something fun for a year and kind of take a break from all the, the stressing about what I was going to do with my life and decided to uh, move out west and ski in the Rocky Mountains, which, which was kind of a bucket list dream for me growing up. I always wanted to ski out west. And uh, so I, I moved to Utah, long story short, and, and uh, set up shop here, thinking it would most likely be longer than a year, but at least giving myself that kind of time. And at the time, I had a background in uh, photography as well as I actually majored in photography first, uh, but I grew up with a dark room and had a lot of camera experience. And so I got a job at the ski resorts shooting ski photos in, in um, 1999-2000 was my first ski season out in Utah. So 22 years ago and uh, have been here in Salt Lake ever since. I got into real estate in 06 and um, you know I can kind of get into that chapter next, but um, that's, that's kind of how I ended up in Utah and, and, and in real estate. Um, I, the, the motivation to get into real estate really came from working my butt off in photography. I was, uh, became a wedding photographer and a real like higher end portrait for like family portrait and that sort of thing, uh, photographer and, uh, was really working hard for myself. Um, but wasn't able to really, that's a, tough, tough business to scale. In fact, it's about impossible because everybody wants you when they hire you. They don't want your assistant or another photographer. So it's it's really, really tough thing to scale. And I saw real estate as a way of building wealth and um, kind of getting the lifestyle level that I wanted to get to. Hey, Street Smart listeners, I'd like to introduce a great partner for you. As you know, insurance is one of the biggest expenses on the P&L. That's why I'm recommending Assured Partners. Assured Partners helps you lower risk and therefore can save you tons of money down the road. They insure over 2 million market rate and affordable units and are the sixth largest insurance property broker in the U.S. If you want a roll-your-sleeves-up partner that blankets you with service, give Robert Band, vice president, a call. Robert thinks like a CFO because he was a CFO for many years. Give Robert a call now at 305-467-5909. 
you'll be glad you did. To back up a minute, when you were selling furniture on the floor, uh, where were you? That was in Cincinnati, northern Cincinnati at the time, yeah. What was the name of the store only because I'm just yeah. curious? Called Sofa Express. Got it. I love yeah. it. On the yeah. floor selling. You know, you know, you've got an interesting background because I'm I'm just kind of, you know, your mind tries to connect dots. And when I hear that you were a psychology major and you were thinking about becoming a psychiatrist and also that you were into photography, it sounds like as a kid, you're kind of an interesting kid because I, I just imagine and it, I'm making a statement, but it's really intended as a question is that, you know, when I think of people that were going to major in psych in college i'm thinking about kids that were kind of like pretty caring and interested in other people and you know in a pretty benevolent kind of a good way yeah well i that's a that says a lot about you to to you know it's it's you kind of have to have qualities that you see in other people to actually see them i think so but that said i i think you hit the nail on the head i you know, being an RA, being a psych major, I had, um, I was going through some stuff in college myself that was kind of tough. My parents split up, uh, my end of my senior year in high school and I, for end of freshman year in college, I had my heart broken for the first time, which, you know, you, <laughs> it's one of those things that's, it sounds cute and funny, but it's like, it at the time it was really, really hard. And, uh, and so I, I was kind of searching for answers through college and, and even after college, I was, I was really, uh, um, trying to figure life out, at least trying to figure myself out, I guess, more than anything else and did a lot of hard personal development work, uh, you know, at the time. And I think hopefully added a lot to my character and, um, but yeah, I, I would say, you know, I was, I was a, a leader in my youth group in high school. So, I have, I had kind of a, I guess, a, um, an ethic of contribution to other people and to, like you said, being giving and giving back. And, uh, it's something that at the time as a kid, you, you know, when you're raised that way and you're trained to be that way, you don't realize that it, it could be any different. So it didn't seem like that big of a deal to me. It seemed, it just seemed like the way that life should kind of go. But looking back, it's, I think it's really informed my approach to business in the sense of I I think that we're in a value add economy now. And so I try to be as giving and generous and open to as many different kinds of people in our investing space as I can. Um, I do some kind of informal mentoring. I have a Calendly link that I publish far and wide and I get a lot of people that, that book appointments with me to discuss their business and brainstorm. And I love giving back that way. Uh, I do the podcast as well. Uh, my podcast called The Apartment Guys. And to me, that's just, I, I, I'm sure you can relate relate to this is, yeah, it's just a, it's it's such a cool thing. It's like, it's, it's like a, a very unique format and a, a very unique way of uh, producing value and contributing value to lots of people. So... 
and to me to have conversations like this you know what what other uh you know kind of mechanism would have facilitated a conversation i personally am loving having with you because yeah, wow you know yeah. man this is just fantastic so so a little teeny detail you got your heart broken was that your high school girlfriend or was that at the beginning no, that was a college girlfriend that i met that uh freshman year and and uh, she was she was a senior actually, so I was kind of set up for failure there, but didn't know it at the time. I was kind of I was kind of a innocent little kid, or not little kid, but I was as far as that sort of thing, love and and uh, dating and whatnot. It was a it was a first for me, and <laughs> it was it, it was tough, but it was kind of a part of you know a bigger picture of like a lot of things in life kind of came unhinged that year. And uh, I, I mean, even just getting up and going away to college, I'm sure you can relate, Roger, is like, it is a major, major life change. And it can be very, very exciting and thrilling and fr like liberating. And it's also something that y you adjust to. And, and uh, if you've got other challenges and adversities going on in life, uh, it, you know, it just kind of contributes to, I'll just put it this way, it kind of contributed to the chaos of like everything that was going on and, and kind of led to some, like I said, some breakdown and breakthrough um, is probably the best way to put it. Like uh, some tough times, and, but then also um, all, all the, the growth and the lessons on the other side. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go a little bit more personal, and you just tell me quit, stop if it's too far. Sure. Okay, yeah, you be 100 percent respectful and et cetera. And it is a real estate podcast, which we are going to get into the real estate. This stuff, however, is more interesting to me. If I want to confess to uh, you and the audience, sure, the, the the real estate stuff can have a generic quality, but the personal stuff is is to me way more interesting. So when you talk about that like breakdown at that time in the chaos, was this? Was was in and you'd said your folks had split up. I think you said your senior year of high school. Was this yeah. was this essentially the the key drivers in the heartbreak, or was it other stuff as in on top of that? The heartbreak thing was was related to the uh, the girlfriend and the, basically you know having having a a breakup at the end of the year. And I would say that that in addition to I I one other thing I didn't mention is I had a. a pretty traumatic leg injury my senior year in high school as well in a from in a soccer game and i was in a wheelchair for like a month and it it was it was pretty ugly and uh so i got beat up pretty good over the course of a year just on a few different levels and and uh it was probably honestly one of the best things that could have happened to me because i was a pretty confident kid and i think the dark side of of confidence when you're not very mature is is cockiness and um i i think that i i probably had a little bit of a head of steam going into college and and life just kind of humbled me and and showed me that uh things aren't always as simple as they seem and things aren't always as much of a given as they seem uh so i'm, I'm not trying to beat around the bush to answer your question but i think you know it was it was kind of like the leg injury the parents divorcing, moving out of, moving out of my, the house that I grew up in and moving away for the first time, falling in love, having my heart broken, all of it just kind of contributed to, you know, we used the word breakdown earlier. I think that's, that's probably the best word to use at, at kind of at the end of my freshman year in, in college. And then, uh, 
you know, moving forward was largely for a while anyway, kind of gathering the pieces back together and well, and graduating from college and doing all the things that, you know, it took to graduate summa cum laude from Ohio University. And, and, uh, and eventually you just, you take the lessons from those things and you move forward and, uh, hopefully you're better and more empathetic and uh, compassionate person as a result. So, um, and we are going to get to the good real estate stuff, but the last question is on the personal stuff is what you, you said you did some personal development stuff. And so mm-hmm. was that certain programs, certain people, what, what yeah. was it? Yeah, it, it was a, a few different things along the way have made a big difference to me in my, uh, my personal development. I've, when you're growing and, and learning and, I really became a seeker of like wisdom in life and like deeper level, not to get too terribly spiritual because I, I, I don't think of myself as necessarily a very religious person, but I think of life as an essentially spiritual experience. And so, you know, for me, it's, it's all just, it, it, it's all kind of part of the big picture and part of the big picture of being a human being is hopefully growing along the way and learning and being able to look back and say with not in a bad way, not in a regretful way, but man, knowing what I know now, I would have done that so much differently and handled this situation so much differently. And that's a good thing, you know, cause that's a reflection on the, on how far you've come. And, uh, I don't think we should ever beat ourselves up over, uh, over the lessons we've learned or, or over past, you know, quote unquote mistakes or regret, you know, regrets, I think are essentially useless largely. So yeah, <laughs> I could, I could go on on this, this level for a while. I, it's, <laughs> I, I, love, I love talking about this stuff. You know what? I, I get this daily email from Quora, Q-U-O-R-A. And yep. you, are you familiar with it? Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm familiar with Quora. Yep, and um, you know it's stuff like this. Every then you know every single day there's stuff like this that we're talking about, and I've been mm-hmm. reading this thing maybe for I don't even know not two three years or whatever. And you know you you know I delete it many days because I don't have time. But the most profound thing to me because there's a lot of profound stuff on there, but that resonated with me that you just kind of you know, you triggered what you're saying is that one of the questions was they asked all these people like in their seventies, what would they do differently in their life? And like when you were talking about regrets and this and that, and the one that has stuck with me that I try to remember, I guess I have remembered it because I'm telling it to you that the most profound one I saw is to be kind to myself. That's what I would have done differently to be kinder to myself. And you know, like you say about regrets or because I am I am very, very, very hard on myself to this day. I am just really regimented and inflexible. And I have a, you know, just a really aggressive workout routine that I feel super guilty if I don't do and work related stuff. And I, and I just don't let myself off the hook and I'm super compulsive about, you know, what I make myself read every day. And God forbid, if I didn't read the wall street journal cover to cover, I mean, I couldn't even go to sleep at night. I'd feel so guilty. (laughs) So I, uh, you know, so I, but you didn't answer my question. You, in yes, which- you're right. I realized that afterwards. So <laughs> I'll, I'll just lay it out there. So lots of good therapy along the way. Yeah, this was early 2000s and things are, 
believe it or not, you know, are pretty different in this world now. These these days, kind of everybody's either been in therapy or is in therapy. Or well, especially back in Ohio, it, it wasn't. Yeah. It, yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't something that that most people did it back then. So anyway, I I was. I went out and sought that kind of help, but eventually things like, uh, I did a, a course called Landmark Forum, which is put on by a company called Landmark Education, and I'm not affiliated, this is in no way a uh, advertisement for them, but it, it was a course on basic, what one way of looking at it would be, and this, this is my words, but basic emotional intelligence, I guess, like really owning your experience and owning your reality and owning the fact that you have what you have in life almost exclusively because of you and who you are and how you show up in the world. And you learn to really get powerful around that stuff. And therefore, you can really intentionally create a life that you love to live. And that's kind of the goal and and the outcome that's available there. So, you know, I I did that. That was massively foundational for me and really shifted a, a lot of a lot of things for me. And it amongst other thing, it amongst other things it made it so that like I could never really be a victim again of anything. Even though sometimes I'll go into victim mode if like someone does the equivalent of cutting me off on the freeway or something like that. Like I'll go into momentary momentary like WTF mode, you know, like we all do. But um for the most part, I'm able to get off of it really pretty quickly. And my headspace these days is just a really peaceful place to, to live in as a result. And I spend a lot of, I, like these days, I, I, I did a year of coaching with an amazing high-level professional success business life coach this year. And I'm um, just starting my second year with him. And, you know, to me, it's all about living intentionally and creating intentionally, creating who you are, how you show up and who you show up as. And that's to me really where the rubber meets the road in life and, and where uh, you, you have a lot of control over creating your reality in essence. You know, my default is blame and victimhood to this day. I mean, that, that is, you know, that is my response to life it always has been. I have always been the cause of all my own problems. Nobody's ever created any problems for me. And uh, I, to this day, suffer from being a victim and uh, anger and all that kind of stuff. And the problem is is 99.99x percent of like stuff that goes on in our brain is unconscious. So the key is, you know, bringing it to a level of consciousness sooner so that then I don't have to be a, a victim and in blame. But, but you know, like you're saying, if, if, if somebody cuts me off, they don't even know I exist, but then I take it personally and then they're an asshole, right? And so yeah. it, then if I'm saying he's an asshole, then what I'm really doing is making myself a victim. Yeah, yeah. And unfortunately, it's kind of a powerless place to put yourself. And there's no solution. Yeah. Yeah. You become you're at the whim of whatever's going on around you and you don't have any any authority in the matter. Right. Like if the next person were to cut you off, you'd be doubly pissed off, (laughs) (laughs) you know, And, and so it's really nice when when and look, we're human beings. And even I think even the most conscious, like enlightened human being in the world has moments like that. And I don't think there's any 
value in making yourself terribly wrong around it. I think that all there is to do is just to develop the skill of being discerning when it comes up and basically noticing that, that, that it's there and then kind of at, you know, as you snap your snapping your fingers almost and choosing a different state or a different reality or a different story. Like it's usually the story that we have in our head that really pisses us off. And like the story about whatever's going on with that guy in front of me that just cut me off. Well, all of a sudden you could, you could shift the story and, you know, maybe that guy's dog died and he's on his way home to pick it up or whatever. And he's not thinking straight. And, you know, all of a sudden you can, you can develop a tremendous amount of compassion for somebody even and shift the entire reality just by, you know, giving yourself the benefit of the doubt and giving other people the benefit of the doubt. And, you know, it's people use the word grace for that. And I think that's something that's needed a lot these days. Uh, more than ever. Well, listen, I, I was going to go linear on the real estate stuff, but I'm going to pick it up somewhere else just for the heck of it in, a, in an attempt to be spontaneous. Let's so, do it. Yeah. So we needed to move this time because you had to go to Oklahoma City yeah. to, uh, I don't want to use the F word, not not the F word everybody's thinking, but <laughs> the, the F-I-R-E word. Termination. Termination. And yeah. tell me about that because I, that sounds like a heck of a, a learning uh, experience and for people that are listening. Yeah. So we own three apartment communities in Oklahoma city and they are class C communities. And one of them in particular, we purchased in a very distressed condition, uh, physically very distressed in need of roofings and had raccoons living in the attic and like leaky sewer lines that were leaking out on the property. I mean, really, really kind of gross stuff and and not good stuff. And then there was a lot of other types of distress related to the tenant base that was there. So we hired a property management company um, out of Denver, which, you know, you might ask yourself right away, why would you hire a Denver-based property management company to hire to manage Oklahoma City. And the reason for that is that they had property there themselves and were setting up shop there and had infrastructure there. And we felt really good about them. And just real long story short, things didn't work out. We had at, at that one property that I was telling you about in the course of about eight months since September, they went through six different property managers at that one property. And so we had no continuity. We had no accountability, very little supervision over our immediate property managers. We just kind of realized that, you know, over time that it wasn't going the right direction and, and that we needed to make a change. And then at the end of last week, they fired our portfolio manager, who was really the only person in the company that was looking out for us and, and doing us any good at all. So that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back for us. And uh, we had to go out, like you said, on an emergency basis. And I think we made reservations on Friday afternoon and flew Sunday night to Oklahoma City and uh, were there for three days. And just basically getting, like doing all the things involved in transitioning from one property management company to another. We've We've retained the services of a of another property management company there, and we've also retained a couple really key 
staff members from the, the last company that uh, ended up leaving. So pretty messy. And we're really at the beginning of the divorce, so to speak, because there's a lot of a lot of details to work out and a lot of money that needs to go back and forth and or at least needs to go one way. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's that's what's up. And it's just, you know, we didn't do anything wrong. I honestly feel like our due diligence level on this group was good. And I felt like we put our trust in in a group that was worthy of that. And it just didn't work out. And yeah. How many units is that building? That one's a smaller one. It's only 51 units, which is kind of a little bit of a problem because it's hard to put one permanent person there like nine to five Monday through Friday. Um, we were co-managing it with another building of theirs. So that's we're going to have to figure that aspect of it out. But th- this is one that will, as soon as we stabilize it, we will be um, selling. I, I see. Enough. Yeah. How many properties do they have? Because you said that they're managing properties that they own in, in Oklahoma City. How many yeah. units or properties, however you want to define it? Yeah, th- I believe they had about seven communities of their own there. And so, were, were they also C or B or what? Do you know what? what? Uh, yeah, mostly C. Wow. Well, you know, yeah. it made sense. Yeah, I know. There were, there, again, it wasn't like, aside from just them not being based there, I don't think you can really look at anything and go, well, duh. You know, they were and are good people. You know, there's a lot of reasons why Class C property managers don't work out. It's an incredibly tough space to keep staffing for. So that was, is an issue. And, you know, when you don't have good top-down leadership in a company these days, it's, uh, you know, it's not uh, not a fun thing. How, how big of a company are they? Oh, that's a good question. You know, they, they're big enough where they've got, you know, their accounting department and their legal department and, their, you know, they're, they've got um, portfolio managers and multiple portfolio managers and property managers at each location. So they probably manage 20 properties total, is my guess. Got it. So they're not, it's not two people working out of their house. No, yeah. Not at all. Got it. Not it, at all. Is the new property management company, are they based in Oklahoma City? And what's their uh, profile? Yeah, that's a good question. They're actually uh, out of Tulsa. They are rock stars in Tulsa. Like we, we know multiple owners that have used them for property management at, at their properties. And um, they are fantastic there. They're very well thought of. And we've been trying to, we, we wanted to work with them out of the gate. And she was basically, uh, her, um, her name's Amy, the, the head of that PM group called Winfield. They have been intending on expanding into Oklahoma City, which is only an hour and a half away. But she's just been very careful to make sure that she's not biting off more and she can chew and she's doing it in the right way. So it's taken her uh, basically about a year to get to the point where she feels good about expanding. And this is so this timing's pretty good. And yeah, I think it'll I think it'll work out well. Got it. Are they going to put somebody on the ground or I guess or do yeah. they they are? OK, yeah. yeah, we'll have somebody on the ground uh, we'll, at every property. Plus, we'll have a portfolio manager. Plus, we'll have maintenance techs and and uh, leasing agents as well. 
I see. So when you say somebody on the ground at each property, is this somebody that will live in one of the units in each of these or, or will it somebody that's going to just have an office in Oklahoma City or what is what exactly does that mean? Yeah, so we have we have on-site offices at each property and so they'll be having like essentially 9 to 5 office hours there. They will not live on premises. Okay. And then will will each property have a, a maintenance tech or will that yeah. will that be shared? No, there will be one for each. There'll be one for each. Our other two properties, um, one is uh is I think sixty three units and the other is a hundred and thirty four units. So basically we we basically have two hundred, roughly two hundred and forty units there in Oklahoma City right now. Our intention, by the way, is to grow that to a thousand units by the end of the year. And we're doing the same thing in Columbus, Ohio. So we did about 500 units last year in 2021, and we're, we're trying to double that this year. Good for you, man. Uh, talk about intention. Are, are the ones, and before we get to Columbus, are the ones in Oklahoma, uh, the 240 units, are they in the three properties? Are the three properties all a C class? Yes, they are all C, yep. Okay, and then what approximately are you, you, you paying across this portfolio per door? Usually in, um, what we're able to buy for is somewhere between forty-five and 65000 a door Got in it. Oklahoma City. And then what do you kind of budget in for an overhaul, overall rehab? You, if, if it's a full rehab and we're doing, you know, everything from new floors, LVT, paint, carpet or not car- well i guess we would do carpet and bathrooms but you know kitchens resurfacing countertops that sort of thing we usually budget 8 to 10,000 dollars a unit so we're a lot of people try to do it for about half of that we like to do things nicer and and go for we like to kind of go for those top rent comps and these days and the way that the demand is in these two markets that we're in uh, we were it's pretty easy to achieve when you've bought these, what level occupancy has there been? That's a g- great question. Um, let's see. The Oklahoma City properties were in the low 80s. Uh, pretty much all three of them across the board were, were in the low 80s. What is occupancy in, in the sub-markets those are in? Uh, it's, they're, they're higher than that. So that's you know one of the value-add premiums available was just management plays, getting occupancy to where they should be. So mid-90s. I see. And uh, have you been able to get the occupancy up? Yes. Got it. We have, but it, we are in the middle, you know, we are doing the full value add uh, renovations on all the available units as they become available. So our occupancy has gone up in all the, in all of the uh, communities, but it's not up to where it's going to be, obviously, when we're done renovating. Sure, that uh, makes sense. Just out of curiosity, so on the on the one in this experience that you've had to go through since last September, you said you know the 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 property management company in Denver they had like eight different people manage. They went through. I think you said eight or it was either six or eight. I can't remember. You can correct me. It's since September, and my my question is why is that? Yeah, that's a great question, and I think it's probably a combination of poor management, it, poor internal management with our PM. 
uh, of our, of the human resources we had there, just not putting the right people in the right seats to begin with. And then having a community that is, it was worse, but still is a pretty distressed tenant base. Uh, meaning it's just, it, it's, there's a lot, you know, there's a fair amount of delinquency still that we're cleaning up and it's just a tough, it's, it's a tough group. And I, I think that that, you know, that caused a couple of those six people to leave. So no. Yeah. And, and when you talk about, so, so these are the people, these six people are people employed by the property manager, uh, to oversee the property, correct? Yes. Uh-huh. Oh. Yep. Okay. And those people didn't, they weren't interacting from anybody in your company on site. They were just dealing with you, correct? And so you oversaw that person. Is that how it went? No. Uh, well, yeah, essentially as you know, our group performs the asset management on the property. So we're, we had, you know, weekly oversight meetings with both the portfolio manager and the property manager. I see in the portfolio, the property manager at the property management company reports to the portfolio manager at the property management company. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yep. I see. And then, and then essentially if you were to put it on an, in an org chart, the, the portfolio manager reports directly up to you, even though you inevitably had contact with the person that oversaw the properties. Correct. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I get it. Well, thanks for being patient. Yeah, you yeah. What role did the property management or will property management play in the rehab process? Good question. In uh, this case, in the Oklahoma City case, they will not be providing um, construction management services. We have, we have a separate company contracted for that. Has that been the company that you've used since you've been in the market? Uh, yes. It is. So we, we've had a pretty good little track record with them and uh, they're doing a good job. Well, to knock on wood, man. Yeah, right. <laughs> Had the wheels fallen off that part, my goodness, that would have been, uh, you know, problems times two. Um, yeah. And how big of a company are they and are they based in Oklahoma City? They are based in Oklahoma City. Yep. And uh, they have, they probably have three or four managers and, uh, you know, an owner and then crews. So not a, not a huge company, but big enough to handle these communities and, and the, you know, the, the make readies and turnovers that we're doing. Got it. So it's not, again, it's not one man in a truck. And if they, you slash they experienced any difficulties around, you know, our supply chain issues around getting labor or having a tough time getting materials or how's that been. Yeah, it, it's been challenging. Yep. Um, and materials, you know, like TPO roofs, uh, material right now is like five months out. Little things like broken windows once in a while will take a little longer than they should. But, you know, we're not doing any real crazy heavy lifting there right now. We're doing, you know, five units at a time. So occasionally we'll have to wait for some appliances. That's that's been real. Um, that's held us up a little bit here and there, but um, nothing too too prohibitive. Got it. And and who is the we when you say we Tate? I have uh, two partners at Greenlight. Um, my longtime partner Carl York was my first photography boss in in '99, and he and I've done real estate together for ten years. 
And then we also have a, a partner. Her name's Chelsea Garber, lives up in Park City, Utah, and is from New York. But she she and I handle acquisitions and uh, like going out and broker relations and walking properties and doing market visits and that sort of thing. Carl does some of that as well, but Carl is really kind of our tactician. He's essentially COO of the company and um, also performs most of the CFO duties as well. So we're growing. Um, you know, if we had, we're, we're basically going after, we've been in highest and best offer uh, rounds for a 250 unit recently and also a 360 unit recently. So we're, yeah, basically, um, going after bigger and bigger properties. And as we grow, we're, we're going to be adding some, um, some HR to, to the team here pretty soon. Well, all the, uh, difficulties in Oklahoma city dealing with this company in Denver and just all the challenges and headaches and dealing with, you know, all the stuff, has that put any stress on your partnership with you and your partners? Yeah, no, um, no, you know, like all three of us went to Oklahoma City and just got back yesterday. We all went to handle the emergency. And I think we really trust each other and like each other a lot. We like being around each other, which is a really nice thing. There's we're all just doing absolutely the very best we can right now. We're all really working hard and everybody's all in. And so if something gets overlooked or missed or whatever, you know, something uh, communication gets neglected or something like that, that shouldn't happen. It's like, okay, well, that shouldn't have happened, but I know it didn't happen because you weren't trying or you didn't mean it to not happen. I know that you're doing the best you can. And so I think there's, you know, back to that word grace, there's quite a bit of leeway in, in our culture as a company to go ahead and make mistakes and, and we call it failing forward. Nothing, uh, nothing original or new with that, but it's, you know, it's something, it's part of our culture to be able to say, okay, sorry, I screwed up and let's learn the lesson and move on. Got it. That sounds, dude, man, that sounds fantastic because, you know, when that, you know, that's what you guys are kind of dealing with would, if there were any chinks in the in the armor in a partnership, that would certainly blow it wide open. So I'm hearing you guys are going to endure as a partnership and that that's not always the case. In terms of getting to a thousand units this year, is your strategy going to be to continue to acquire class C properties? We're looking at um, some class, more like class C plus B minus stuff right now in Columbus, some townhome products and uh, some newer vintage product. So, you know, the reason why you do the, the value add heavy lift class C is because uh, you know, when you're grow when you're starting out and growing, you want to build your balance sheet as fast as you can, and those are really the biggest bang for your buck. As you grow, and I think become more uh, like sophisticated, and in your balance sheet's a lot, you know, more robust. You typically you see t- people typically moving towards like the Class B assets and uh, even Class A. We're just not there yet. We're still we're still really in balance sheet building mode, and so. Most of the products that we underwrite are, are what I would say these days are nicer class C. I see. And then to just for me to drill down and make sure I understand what you're saying and clarification, are you saying that there's more 
as be crass about it. Is there just more money to be made on the sea? Maybe it's a heavier lift. Maybe it's more uh, sleepless nights, but it's a way of generating more money because there's just more meat on the bone. You're talking about 45 to 65 grand, you know, K per mm-hmm. unit plus eight to 10 a, a door and rehab versus, you know, a, a, a B and a B class in Columbus could be, I'm making this up, but let's say 150 grand. You That's know? right. Yeah. Are, are you just saying it's just a way of just building up more of a, a war chest of money so that you could then go up and kind of climb up the ladder eventually? Yeah. Yeah. You know, just building the equity in these properties so that we can either refinance and, and recapitalize and go after something else or potentially even sell and go after something else and, and let me, you know, kind of re-leverage up. Got it. So I'm actually going to go backwards in the chronology as opposed to forward, which is not a natural thing to do, but it's where our conversation took us. And here's the question. What year was your first multifamily acquisition? Our first multifamily acquisition was in 2018. Got it. That's what I thought from from doing some reading. Okay. And prior to 2018, what were you doing real estate oriented? We were flipping single family houses and we were uh, we did some new build development stuff, and we also did some land entitlement deals. Yeah, we were trying a, a number of different avenues. Got it, got it. So, you know, you've, <laughs> you're have you an entrepreneurial guy, and uh, that, is, that is super cool. W- when did you stop doing the photography gig? Good question. That I must have stopped that around 2011. Got it, got yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Very interesting. Well, what question have I not asked that I should have asked? I just, oh, that's such a good, I love that question. I need to remember to throw that one in more often with my folks. I would say, you know, maybe one of the best points of value that I could offer is, is uh, I think that mindset in this business is the foundation of just about everything else. You can have the best marketing in the world, the best systems and processes, and you know, the best structure, human resources, and the best specialized knowledge. And if you don't believe in your heart that you can go out and do 100 units or 150 unit deal, then you're not going to get it done. But if you, the flip side is, if you do believe in your heart that you can get it done, anything and everything that comes up is surmountable. And it's, and so for anybody that's listening that there's probably people listening that have done quite a bit more than me and, and uh, you know, know this much more so than I do. But, you know, overall, you could like, I, I guess I, was, I just want to say to the listeners that it's the real estate between your ears is really like the best real estate to develop. <laughs> because, <laughs> um, because that's where it all, ha- I mean, that's the genesis of it all. That's where it all happens. And, and if, like I said, if you believe that you can do it, there's nothing that will stop you. There, there really isn't. And um, I'm here to help any way I can. Probably the easiest way to reach me is at investwithgreenlight.com. You can book an appointment with me there. Just reach out to me there. And uh, I love to help any way I can. So, so uh, yeah, as far as uh, maybe that would be like the question I'd have you ask is just like, you know, at the core, what, what do you think it takes to, to level up and and you know, go from zero door. We we went from zero doors in August of 2020 to 572 doors today. So you know, it's 
a pretty good little trajectory that we we established and you know if i can do it you can do it i promise wow man i'm humbled and i'm so excited for you and and in your court the other great question i'm not going to answer it but just from podcaster to podcaster that i heard the other day i think it might have been on best ever and they have different uh, hosts, but I, I'm just going to steal from them. You know, they probably stole it from somebody else. But th- th- the last question is, what are the biggest challenges you're facing right now? But I think we've already covered that with you. And uh, for anyway, I'll pass that on. Well, uh, this concludes uh, what is, uh, in my mind anyway, been a incredible conversation. I have enjoyed it immensely. And Tate, I look forward to. We did. We didn't meet at best ever this year, but I, I I'm going to make a point of doing it next year, so we could say hello, face to face but i thank you so much for for spending the time this has been great roger i've enjoyed every minute of it and hopefully we got some value out there to people that's what i that's what i really care about the most and you know helping us helping us all along to the next level you got it and i'll talk to you soon all right buddy see you bye